need a whole lot more monitor, if you can help me on that. Uh, make me sound young and tough. Amen. A little bit, a little bit more, if you can. Amen. Is that, is that Jim? Hey, get with it, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see Jim and Ori. And just, just talking to you, too. On this trip, I have preached for three of your classmates. I preached for Greg Plager, Calvin Jean, and Jonathan Nation. And they all paid me good. I think they were afraid I knew too much about them. But I am very happy to be here. And I always like to hang around with your pastor because he is uh, so filled with initiative and imagination and, and ideas. And I, I kind of like that. Now, I don't know what time you all go home, but it's almost midnight. You know, it's pretty late. But I would like to mention to you that uh, since the Harry Potter deal has uh, swept through our nation, uh, I have gathered up the the old book that God had the one to. And uh, I call that book now My Answer to the Harry Potter Fiasco. Uh, Harry thinks he's got the the whole thing together. But he don't. But uh, we know who does. And I've been asking all the grandparents to buy a book for each one of your grandchildren. And then maybe even write to them a little note in the book. You know, like, dear, dear Oscar, or dear Susie, we bought the book for you so you would know that uh, we also believe and a higher power. We just don't think the higher power's name is Harry. His name is Jesus. And as far as all that levitation, you know, floating around, we've been practicing for years for a big old float that's going to take us all the way to the future. So come by and, and uh, get one for you. One, one fella walked up to the table in Barnesville, Georgia, and he told me, he said, I'd like to buy a book for each of my grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren. He said, I will need 52. <laughs> I said, hallelujah. <laughs> and then I also have with me a uh, something new. It's a, a CD library. It uh, represents uh, 49 years of preaching. The producer of this tape uh, produced it actually and surprised me and, and uh, gave it to me. And since then I, I shared it at about uh, 18 or 16 in the set. And uh, these, these are the messages that he gathered and he, he thought that there were some of the special messages uh, from the past. And so if you, if you don't even buy a, a CD, would you at least uh, pause long enough to look at the titles? 
and see if you recognize any titles that uh, perhaps you and I shared the evening in the past somewhere, and I preached in new worship. And uh, if you see something like that, be sure to let me know where we were when we were together. Because the, the, the older you get, the more that means to you. So if you do that, thank you. I need a little more money again, please. Blow, blow me away. Call my plus. Please. Do you like to stand? A little higher. I want to read to you a little bit more. I want to read to you from the book of John. And I, uh, I'm i not going to read the whole chapter, the ninth chapter. But I, oh, now, now, now we're cooking with gas. Thank you so much. I want to read uh, John, the ninth, the ninth chapter, 38, excuse me, the, the 18th and the 38th verse. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, if you don't mind, or even the whole scripture. But I would like to just take from both stops just a, a few words and then preach to you from that setting and from these few words. And the ninth chapter, the 38th verse, it says that, uh, But the Jews did not believe concerning him. And the him in this instance is a young man that for all of his life he had never ever seen daylight. Born blind was always blind. And uh, everyone thought he would live and die being blind. And the Jews did not believe what happened concerning him. The Jews said, no way. No way. Then, then let me read the 38th verse. And he said, and again the he is the one time blind man. And he said, Lord, I believe. He said, Lord, I believe. Now, if you would help me, uh, I have a, a long title, and I want you to help me with it. But I'm, I'm preaching tonight on the subject, Believe It or Not, dot, 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 your call, your call. Uh, I like dots. I'm sorry, but I like dots. Every Every publisher that I, that I have worked with have all called me and, and took me to the, to the woodshed and taught me how wrong I am concerning dots. And they explained, you know, commas and hyphens and all this stuff and, and, and how far off base I was um, being proper with all these dots. And I've always listened real nice 
And then when they got through schooling me, I'd ask them, whose book is this? <laughs> oh, it's yours, Reverend. It's your book. I said, are you sure? Oh, it's, it is your book. I said, okay, dot, dot, dot. Believe it or not, dot, 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 your call. Your call. And uh, you, you may be seated. Life has a way of producing for us, of getting us involved in high uh, situations, so high and so lofty and so beautiful and uh, so lovely that they are so high that you, if, if you wasn't there to see what happened, it might be hard for you to believe the the uh, report about uh, what all took place. Just just so hard and so heartwarming. It's it's things that uh, that uh, stay with you in your memory for a lifetime. But you have and I have. I've had highs that lasted only a moment. And I have remembered them in detail. The, the, the setting, the aftermath. It was just a wonderful situation. And life has its way of allowing us to enjoy some of those lofty positions. And then the other extreme is uh, we could be involved with we could uh, view some very low situations. Uh, I mean, they're just so low and, and hateful and nasty and mean that uh, you, you even wonder how could a human being go so low and hurt someone so deep as uh, they were doing to someone else. Just a, a high place where you laugh and giggle. And low, low places where you moan and, and you get angry and perhaps even cry to see such a low place. My, my, my dad was in the Panama Canal Zone as a civilian worker when uh, Pearl Harbor caught on fire. And of course they <laughs> required him to come back to the States. My, my dad to me was always my guy. Every, everything that I wasn't, in my thinking, he was. He was uh, tall and slim and coordinated. Just just to watch him walk compared to me walking. Just to, just to watch him walk. To me, it was sheer pleasure. Just so coordinated and so smooth. Talent girl. Just a, a grade school education. But uh, he, he had uh, talent and brilliance sticking out of his ears. 
had a chest that thick. He was always my guy, my guy. And so he he's uh, in Panama City, Panama Canal Zone, and the war breaks out. He had been gone six months, and he had to come back. When I heard he was coming back, you talk about a lift. It lifted my spirits. And I, I wanted to show him that all the exercises, all the time he gave me, he had such a, a, a gifted imagination that he created all kind of therapies for me to help my, my handicap. He was so clever that I, I thought we were playing games. And then I learned later that the game was designed to help my uh, handicap. And, and so he, he's gone, and, and while he was gone, six months, I worked on all my little deals. And when I heard he was coming back, I thought, I want to show him that you may have been gone uh, six months but take a look at how I improved. I didn't uh, kind of slouch off. But the wait till you see, Dad, what I can do now. And then there, there was the cab at the curb. And I knew that had to be my guy. My, my mother stood on the, on the front porch. And she had not seen her husband in six months. And beside my mom stood my, my older brother. So here's mom and big brother and my guy. And I got so excited, I, I ran toward him, kind of kind of like a duck. I just wobbled on down chapel to the street and decided that I, I would not go into the gate where we lived. But I would be real bold and show him my stuff. And decided that for his benefit, I would climb over the fence instead of going through the gate. You know, anybody would go through the gate. But now I, I felt like I had improved so much in six months that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going over the top. And I ran to the fence, and he glanced at me, and, and then at my mom, and, and glanced at my brother. And here I am climbing over the fence. Not all the way to the top. And then I could not go either way from there. I could not go back down. I could not get over. And there I was kind of balanced on top other fence. Some highest situations can last just a brief time in the emotion so important to you that the emotion could last with you forever. Here I was embarrassed. I, I was trying to stop my stuff. And everybody knew that I was stuck. And I was humiliated. My, my dad walked over, big as he was, 
reached up on top of the fence, lifted me off the fence and above the fence, and then brought me down on on his side. When he got me way up there, I had a momentary grand time. Lasted only a moment. But when he lifted me so high, and just that instant, I thought, I thought, Mama, eat your heart out. Because right now he is all mine. I thought the big brother, five years older than me, would please step aside. Because at this moment, he, he is all mine. And he lifted me up and brought me down and, and saved me from being embarrassed and gave me a moment, gave me a momentary high that I have never, ever forgotten. Life is full of the extremes of higher places and low places. So high, so low, they are hard to believe sometimes. Just a, a, a pastor, a, a young single mother, and she had a toddler that was uh, oh, about 18 months old. She didn't have the Holy Ghost yet, but she was trying real hard to win her way back uh, to how uh, she knew she needed to be. And so here she is trying to find God. And a fellow from out of her past, out of their past, came to see her. And he came with the ambition to woo her and, and to persuade her to go back to the past where they had been. And so he, he came with all of his... Uh, all of his uh, personality and uh, pizzazz and, and charisma. He sat there, she sat there, and the baby sat in the high chair between them. And I, I, I don't know why, but when they sat down, that, that baby began to cry. Perhaps it, it felt the anxiety in there. But the baby began to cry, and they both tried to quiet the baby. And the more they tried to cool him off, the hotter he got. The baby moved all the way up into a hysterical area, and he did nothing but scream and holler, and nobody could stop him. And this guy over here knew that he would not be able to pull off what he had come to, to do unless the baby would get quiet. He realized that, uh, that uh, there's no way he could move her through that uh, disaster in the high chair. And that grown man rolled up his fist and in one quick plunge he plunged his knuckles and his fist, plunged it into the 
soft section of that baby's belly and hit the baby so hard that something internally had to give. It just could not stay as it was. It had to run for cover and it had no place to run. So he hit the baby so hard, the baby's insides gushed out and, and, and on the ground. So, so low, so nasty, so mean, so defiant, just so crazy. Every, every man here could think of at least a dozen things that we would like to do to, to better inform him uh, uh, his anger, but he 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 pulled off a nasty, and it stayed in my mind for all these years. Uh, highs and lows, believable and unbelievable. Jesus walking through a neighborhood had quite a uh, entourage with him. And they moved into a section of that community where the blind young man hung out. And as they moved toward him, uh, someone in the group asked Jesus, What is the deal? Why is he blind? Did his daddy sin? Did his mother do some foolish act in her youth? Or did, did the boy himself mess up real bad and, and has left him in this condition? To Jesus, what happened? Why is he blind? And Jesus answered real quick. He said, he is blind and not because his daddy sinned. He is blind and not because uh, his mother was a bad girl. He's blind not because he made a foolish mistake, but the Jesus says he is blind because of me. He is blind because of me. They said, huh? You see, uh, plans have been made uh, years before to keep that blind young man hanging around on that corner so that Jesus could pass his way and, and the Lord and the blind man could get together and turn that city upside down. He has been waiting for me. And then he motioned to the blind man and said, Okay, you ready? And what had been the, uh, waiting in the wings all these years, he came, came front and center on the stage. And did they ever turn that community upside down? Jesus spit in his eyes and made, made a little patty told him, go wash your face. He had never seen blue or green or yellow in his life. And he washes his face and immediately he sees a horizon. He sees a blue sky. He sees uh, 
of things that he only heard all his life. Now he not only hears the ripple, but now he sees the water. If you would think that kind of a miracle would cause the whole community to just go wild. Just hoop and holler, have an old-fashioned uh, block party, and just get together and celebrate because he who has been sitting around in darkness all these years, look how he can run. Look how high he can jump. And you would think there would have been lots of applause, but there wasn't any applause. The, the, the neighborhood got together and vowed in a big dialogue and a big debate. The Jews said it did not happen. It didn't happen. Then, then they said, well, maybe it happened. And, and, and the guy said, uh, got, got his eyes open and, and, and windows open, and, and they're saying, no way. And father said, well, may, may, maybe it did happen, but uh, the, the devil did it because it happened on the Sabbath day. Jesus didn't do it. The devil did it. No, the buzz and the the excitement and all kind of committees and bureaucrats got together to handle something that should have been so openly received. While they all debated, Jesus sneaked away from the crowd. He located the, the guy that had never known what it was to have his windows open. And when he found the young man, he said, Son, I'm sure you have heard the things that I've heard. He said, I I have sought you out to ask you, blank, where do you stand uh, concerning this debate? Did it happen or did it not happen? Uh, What what sayest thou? And, and the young man said, I'll tell you real quick. He said, Lord, I believe. I believe. Some may not, but put me down. I am one that believes. Bible has situations. That without faith in the Word, that it would be hard to handle in your mind or in your imagination. Just, just, uh, just uh, so, so low and so harmful and so disgusting. Uh, other than in Scripture, it might be hard to, to handle. Did, did you know one time? And the king walked up on a group of mothers, and they were in a a, a hush hush discussion. Their 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 city was surrounded. The bad guys would not let food go in or or or, or, or help sneak out. 
And so the, the town was starving to death. The king walked around the wall and walked right into the midst of a, a gathering of mamas. And, and the king heard a word and, and then a couple more words. And he got deeper and deeper in their discussion. And what he heard must have been a shock. When he, when he got where they were, he heard them discussing. And the things don't get better. Maybe we ought to, uh, to survive. We, 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 perhaps we should eat our babies. It's just uh, uh, chews of which, which youngster gets chewed on first. And, and, and mothers who have... have, have have breastfed their babies. Now they're discussing, believe this or not, they are discussing eating elbows and, and kneecaps. <laughs> believe that or not, dot, dot, dot. Your call. You can go home tonight because you have the right to. You can go home tonight and laugh the whole way home. And giggle about how uh, kinky I was and how long the preacher was. You had that right. You know, you don't have to believe. But uh, it's entirely up to you. Believe it or not, dot, 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 your call. No pressure. No squeeze. Uh, no uh, high emotion. I just presented that to you, and now you handle that any way you want to. But I, I am so pleased that in 50 years of preaching, I have seen or been a part of some of the highest moments, some of the highest highs that you could ever imagine. So high. <laughs> Almost unbelievable. It will be up to you. Uh, I had a couple that uh, passed a small town. And in the small town, they had quite a reputation as business people. And they had two shops. And the kind of business they were in, they would work all year just to break even. And then they made their money in November and December. But all year, just to gather their inventory, or keep the lights on, or hold tight to their best employees, and wait for November, and wait for December to make their profit. And uh, they, they've done that for years. One, one late October night, my 18-wheeler pulled in and parked on the parking lot or in the parking lot of a uh, superstore. And they're, they're no sooner parked, kind of like a circus, they begin dismantling the truck. And they hit windows and doors and it's and, and so quick. They had, uh, had a mobile store set up on that blacktop. And uh, 
the town when they woke up, they saw that and, and the lights flashing, uh, the newsprint and, and the media highly, they're filled with advertising. How that they were there for the Christmas rush. And come see us. We have values and we have sales galore. That night they had the big church lights. Can you imagine all that kind of hype in a little bitty small town? And, and they were just about to, uh, to be intoxicated with the excitement. Have you, have you seen the mobile store yet? And, and I'm into the building. And in the midst of that, uh, the couple, the husband came to see me. He said, Pastor, I'm not even sure this is right. But he said, you, you, you know the rhythm of our goodness. And the, these shysters can move in here now, stay two months, and leave in January. And in those two months, uh, they can wipe us out. And he said, I'm not sure this is proper, but I have come to ask you if it's okay, would you pray and ask God to help us through this enormous talent? And already the, the, uh, the shepherd, uh, the pastor in me, had my heart pounding. Uh, I didn't like the idea of somebody messing up with some of my flock. And so I, I was starting to get just a little, little antsy and, and aggravated and, and almost angry. And then he went further. He said, uh, Brother Odds, if you and Jesus can pull this off together, he said, I'll never pay tithes again. But he said, we will pay tithes plus 5% more. And I said, uh, I said, man, forget your money and go home now. Just go home now. Tell, tell your sweet wife to don't worry about a thing. And he said, why? I said, tell her I will take care of everything. He said, who? I said, me. Tell her, don't worry, uh, Susie. Pastor said he'll take care of everything. Then he asked me, he said, Pastor, how? What are you going to do? I said, none of your business. Let's go home and tell Obama everything's going to be all right. And he went home, and I got in the car and, and uh, parked out in front of that mobile store. I stood there with suit and tie. Lifted my hand to the best that my coordination would allow me. But I lifted my hands, my arms, prayed a sincere prayer. I said, now, Lord, you know these kids better than I do. And I said, as far as I'm concerned, they outsate everybody in our church. They are great Christians. They have a powerful witness in the town. I said, surely we can't, can't let this strong witness crumble uh, 
and I said, if you would, 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 you, would you move this bunch out of here quick? And I put my hands down, got back of the car and drove off. Uh, all that day, if I got close to the parking lot, I would go through the parking lot, roll the window down, through the window I'd say, in Jesus' name, move. And I'd drive off. Did that all day. And the more I did it, the stronger my faith grew. My last time through, I rolled the window down and hung out the window. I, I, I screamed. I said, Jesus, do your thing now. And I went on. And the next day was the beginning of the shopping season. And uh, in the middle afternoon of the first day, it's a, a, a clerk called uh, the, the storekeeper said, hello, is this uh, Mr. Oscar? He said, yeah. What's wrong? She said, there ain't nothing wrong. Don't, don't get excited. She said, I, I called to ask you to call your pastor and ask your pastor to pray again and to ask God to back some of this off just a little bit. He said, we have people wall to wall, no breaks, no nothing. See if he can negotiate a uh, break time. Say we we are loaded. To, hey, can can he do that? Yes, he can do that. Would he do that? Yes, he would do that. For you, would he do something like that for you? Six months later, I went to St. Louis to work, and in those six months. They didn't have two shops. They had four shops. They had three uh, uh, restaurants. Had two motels. Had a gas station. Uh, had a security uh, system that they, they worked. And they even owned the, uh, the, the town radio station. All that in six short months. Oh, what a God. I am so glad that uh, He is that interested in me. He can do it. He would do it. The question is for you. Dot, dot, dot. Your call. You can say, I believe, or you can say, just I'll say to me, and you got that right to say that. You can go either way you want to. It's it's your call. Oh, the your pastor and I both surely we have seen some wonderful and creative and unusual situations. Uh, once one one Sunday morning, a uh, semi. A visitor, I had seen him maybe twice, came walking down the aisle after church and, and, and uh, stopped here 
at the uh, at the altar. And I went over and shook his hand, and he looked me right in the eye. He said, Pastor, you don't know this. In fact, he said, no one knows this. Well, I'm going to tell you. But he said, I, I am having a real battle with cigarettes. He said, nobody here knows this. And probably you didn't know this. I just smiled. And I thought, man, the only way I would know this would be if I were born without a nose. But being I have a nose, I do know what you're talking about. He said, just now in my pew, God talked to me. And I, I didn't know the God, just barely his name. He said, God just now talked to me in the pew. I said, oh, really? Uh, what, what did he say? He told me, he, he said, uh, go up there. He, he, he told me to come up here and to tell you. And, and when he said, tell me, I thought, well, here, here it comes. You know. God talked to him to come tell me something. Straight me out again. I said, oh, really? He said, yes. He said, God told me to tell you that tonight, not, 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 not the AM service, but the PM service, that God told me that tonight after service, well, lay your hands on me and pray for me. And he told me, if you do that, I'll never smoke again. And I thought, wow, what kind of nut is this? You know, what, what, what's he saying? Just, just the, all day today, he can smoke them and suck them and chew them and, and just uh, have a, a, a nicotine party all day. Jesus said, go have a, a smokestack party all day. And tonight, tonight, get prayed for. And uh, you'll be delivered. And I just, uh, I thought, I thought, why is uh, this the con that I always get? You know, I've, uh, <laughs> I thought, lucky me. Other pastors have big stories to tell. This is what I get. I said, oh, okay, okay. Sunday night after church. The proper silver people praying, worshiping, seeking God. And I noticed him standing over there just as, as cool as a cucumber. And I thought, oh, here he is again. And so I stayed on this side. I prayed for everybody over there and their aunts and their uncles. And, and I prophesied. And I just, I, I did a good job. And all the time I'm, I'm looking back over here to see what's happening. And the guy is just standing there. And so we did the missionaries and the evangelists. And, and, the, and it dawned on me he wasn't going to leave. And that if I wanted to go home, I better go, go see uh, what, what uh, could be done. I walked over. This is, believe it or not, your call. I walked over there, 
And I almost got to where he was standing. And he reached out and grabbed my hand, put my hand on top his head. And then real loud he said, Pray! And so loud I almost said, Yes, sir. Pray! And I, I thought, what, what a nut. And so I, I did a little deal praying. And I went back over here and did some more you know, heavy stuff over here. Wednesday night, we all come back to service. And he stood over there against the wall that aisle. He said, nobody knows this except the pastor and I. But it's a pastor, I thought you'd like to know that so far, so good. And I thought, well, okay. Yeah. Come back Sunday night. Stood up and, and had a little, little sharing time. And he, Nobody knows except me and the pastor. But he said, Pastor, I just thought I'd let you know. And he did that. And I thought, hey, Wednesday night, he said, nobody knows. <laughs> Sunday night, this. Week after week after week, he had absolute victory. Hey, can he do that? Yes, he can do that. Will he do that? Yes, he will do that. For you, would he do that for you? Dot, dot, dot. Your call. You decide if he do that for you. <laughs> I was I was in the uh, foyer of the church going home one uh, one uh, Sunday morning. And uh, a lady walked over to where I was, and she asked me, she said, Pastor, would you talk to my, my husband and I? Would you meet with us and talk to us? And I, I said, uh, I said, Susie, do, do you have problems? She said, she said, I don't. No, no. She said, he don't, but I do. She said, he, he has no problems that he's aware of. But she said, I have a problem. I said, well, we, we can get together and uh, don't know that I can help you, but at least we could pray together. And so we, we need to get together. And as she went to walk off, I, I touched her elbow and I, I'm real quiet. I said, if you don't mind, would you give me just a little hint of what we're going to be discussing? So just uh, let me know if I had, had to wear a football helmet or what. You know? just get, can you give me a little, a little cue, a little clue of what this is about? She said, oh, yes, I'll tell you. She said, I cannot remember the last time that my husband has told me that he loved me. 
should have been so long since he's said that to me. I can't remember when that was. I looked at the car, kind of astonished. I said, uh, is that it? Is that the whole ball of wax? She said, that's, that's the problem. I want him to tell me, not to show me, but say to me, Susie, I love you. And I thought, well, man, this will be easy. I baptized uh, both of them in Jesus' name. They both got the Holy Ghost almost the same time. I knew them well. I thought, man, this will be a, this will be a snap. We'll get together about oh, 15 minutes, and and uh, he'll tell her that he loves her, and we're on our way. I said, sure, let's uh, uh, set the date. We got together and just sat down. And I, I knew Oscar like a book. So I, I thought maybe I'll start off this time with a little shock treatment. And I looked at him and I, I said, uh, I said, uh, Oscar! But he jumped. I said, she tells me that there's something she wants and you won't get it for her and you won't do it for her. And he looked at me, not her. He looked at me and said, My goodness, what more can I do? He said, I work at two jobs. One, one job to pay for what I show the hands. And a second job to pay for what she wants. And said, uh, she has a, uh, a wardrobe like that billets. So what, what, what more could I do. I said, well, actually, all she wants you to do is to say to her, I love you. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, she knows that. I said, well, if she knows it, tell her. And he said, where does she think all that stuff comes from? And the boys are well dressed and and everything's put together real nice. Well, 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 don't you realize how hard I labored to bring all that to pass? But he didn't say that he loved her. I said, uh, Oscar, all she wants you to do is say you love her. And the guy turned red, blue, and yellow green. He just could not say, I love you. And 15 minutes passed, a half hour passed, 45 minutes passed, an hour passed. I was almost saying, please tell her, at least once for me, tell her you love her. And after all that session, it finally dawned on him how much it would mean to her if he just told her that he loved her. When it finally sunk in, uh, he, he was sitting in an uh, uh, overstuffed chair. When it finally caught on, he just slid out the chair 
and landed on his knees. And crying like a little boy, he walked on his knees all the way over there to where she sat, crying. And, and he just, he, he was so broken up. And, and Susie, uh, I've never seen a, a, lady, a lady look so pitiful than she looked when she cried. I didn't dream that uh, a face could disintegrate like hers. Oh, she looked, and she's sobbing and crying. He's sobbing and crying. What do you think I was doing? Yeah. And he finally got to where she was. And he told her, he said, I recall the moment I saw you the first time. And from then to now, I have always, from that moment to now, I have always loved you. You're a wonderful mother. You're a wonderful wife. And he said, I want you to know, and, and, and Susie's doing that too. Crying, wouldn't look at him, and he, he just reached over and held her face in his hands, and and asked her, "Would you please look at me?" And she did. He said, "I want you to know now and forever that I really love you." You talk about emotional. I mean, I. I thought, I'm, I'm getting out of here. And I had a back door to my office. And I thought I wanted to sneak out of here. <coughs> but then kind of put things back together and build some bridges or whatever. But I thought, I'm, I'm getting out of here. And I went to ease out the back door. And when I opened the door, two little boys had their ears on the door. And uh, they listened to the whole session and waited to see if he would do that for them. Can he? Yes, he can. Would he? Yes, he would. It's amazing how much concern he has for every square inch, every tissue in your body. Every thought in your head, everything about you, he is interested in. And so, you can believe Oscar and Susie, believe that or not, dot, 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 it's your call. So much has been said tonight about healing. <laughs> I, I believe that he still heals. Don't take a whole bunch of dots for that. I believe he is a healer. The, the young man said, Lord, put me down as one of those that don't doubt you at all. But I believe. I was in Detroit uh, oh, several years ago. On, I think I think it's I ninety five, and my gas tank was almost empty, and there was in the on the 
freeway. And I had to get off the bypass. Had to. And so I just uh, swooped down, and, and when I landed uh, ground level, I found myself in a war zone. I'm in a terrible neighborhood. All the windows and doors have bars and uh, safety gear. And obviously, it was a bad neighborhood, but I had to uh, buy gas. And it was so rough that when, I, when you pay for your gas, you had to pay through a, a cage-looking deal. And they just slid your money through a slot. And the employee behind the cage would handle your cash. I mean, it, it was a, a mean place. And, and back when they used to do your windshields and check your lube, and, you know, it been, been a few years ago. And, and, and it didn't take me long to realize that the young man servicing my car pretty soft. And he must have must have been twenty, maybe maybe twenty one. And we began talking as he serviced the car and believe it or not, we we uh, began talking scripture. You know. Surprise, surprise. Talk about Bible. And that young man out the clear blue sky, he said, I will tell you one thing. He said, Oh, that uh, Wonders and miracles and healings, all that stopped at the end of the apostolic age. I said, well, what, what do you mean? This kind of play with them. I said, what, what, what do you mean? He said, well, as the apostles died and all that they had done happened, but since then, no healings. No wonders and no miracles. No, not one. I said, oh, are you sure? He said, I am positive. He said, nobody gets healed now. It just don't happen. And I was a little younger than what I am now. And when he said that, I just grabbed him. I grabbed him and, and hugged him tight. And he didn't know what happened. I said, man, you got to help me. He said, what? I said, hide me someplace. Please help me. Uh, uh, put me under your desk. Uh, uh, well, where's your men's room? Hide me before they find me. He said, man, what did you do? I said, I didn't do nothing. It was, well, he did, not me. And I said, hide me, please, protect me. He said, man, what, what are you? I said, I got something, and I like it so much, I ain't going to give it back. And so if they come looking for me, telling me what I, I can have and can't have, we're going to have a real battle. I said, hide me, please. He said, well, what did you get? I said, I got healed. And I like the feeling. And I don't want to give it up 
He looked at me. He said, man, you are crazy. I said, if I am crazy, I'm better off than you are. Because according to you, there's no hope. But he still operates healing lines uh, today. He's still the great power. Believe it or not, dot, dot, dot. You decide. You decide. Let's stand, please. He can handle fear so easily. He can handle fear. Uh, I know what fear is. Uh, most of you have had fear. I've had two strokes in, in both times. I was alone in a, on one time in a hotel and then the next time in a motel when I had both the strokes by myself. And uh, God helped me through all that. And then it came time after the second stroke to go back on the field. Go back to go back to work. And every motel I walked into for a long time just just killed me to the bone. And I would think, don't let it happen again. Please, if you're gonna take me, take me when I'm close to my my support. Take me when I'm home, and just, just, just to, just to go in that room with all those memories. I, I know what fear is. Until one day he spoke to me, and he asked me, "Where did I get the fear?" And and I couldn't think of where. And he said, "I'll tell you where you didn't get it from." You didn't get it from me. I said, you might be scared to your toes, but I never, ever give people fear. But I give them power. And I give them the, the sound, logical mind. But if you are afraid, Alan, it's your fault because you didn't get it from me. Dot dot dot, and I still I still stay in oh no a hundred motels here, and I ain't scared, and that means a whole lot. Dear Lord, I ask you right now to move among us, search our hearts, search our minds, and if there is something that needs to be done or rearranged or worked over whisper in their ear and say to them concerning their particular problem say to them even you even you he has all the resources he has all the power to produce what he has promised 
he can do it to even you. Bob, I